Welcome to For the Health of It with Dr. Jenny Brook. You're listening to raw talk about full potential living to inspire you to eat, move, sleep, think, and live better. Here we go. How are you doing, Kristen? Good. How are you? I'm so excited to have Dr. Margaret Miklas on the line. Hello, Margaret. Hi. How are you? Hi, so good. We're so happy to have you back. Our listeners may remember we did a double show on um, Lyme disease, and it was so fantastic. We referred back to that for so um, for so long, for so many times. Um, but we're we're going to talk about something totally different. So, Dr. Margaret, I'm going to give you a quick bio on who she is. Um, She's a naturopathic doctor. She received her doctorate after studying for five years at the oldest school of naturopathy in the United States, National University of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Oregon. You may have heard of it. In 2006, actually, she co-founded Living Natural Incorporated in Nashua, New Hampshire. Um, 2008, she furthered her training in Ayurvedic medicine um, at the Kripalu School of Ayurveda, where she later continued on as faculty from 2010 to 2020. And then since 2017, she's been on faculty at Mahatma School of Ayurveda in Williston, Vermont, where she teaches students from around the world. And what I love about her is her mission. Her mission is to empower her clients to understand the nature of health and disease. Using a personalized model, she has guided thousands of clients as a specialist in nutrition, Ayurveda, homeopathy, herbal medicine, and integrating Western medicine with natural therapeutics. So her company, Living Natural Incorporated, currently has an office in Brattleboro, Vermont, and also inside our own Vitality Studio at SCC in Amherst, New Hampshire. So our patients get access to Dr. Margaret. She's there usually on Fridays, sometimes more often. And we have a ton of people who um, are able to be a patient of hers and a patient of ours. And it's the integrative healthcare has been amazing. Do you agree, Dr. Margaret? Yes. So fun at SCC. Yippee. (laughs) We do have fun. We do have a great time. And in fact, that's kind of what this podcast um, started on was just we get to have more conversations. And something that you may not know is Dr. Margaret and I kind of we go back a pretty long way, like I'm guessing close to 20 years, right? Like, yeah, definitely. Since our, mm-hmm. our old, our, both of our children, um, my son Max and her daughter Olive were in school together. Um, so there was even a time where we shared so many patients that we would drop off on Thursday mornings for school and we would go on long walks together just to catch up on, on making sure we were doing the best client care. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, um, you get to know someone when you great. go for a walk. You're round in New England, 17 degrees. <laughs> we were walking. Um, and, and what happened was we found out that as two, um, healthcare professionals with young children, we have a lot in common with how we were, we were attempting, choosing, focusing on raising these children. So the topic of today's podcast is really us having a really honest conversation about what we've done and what we encourage people to do to raise the healthiest kids possible. Because, you know, I think that we could say that we've, we have done that, don't you think? Like, our kids are pretty darn healthy. Yeah, for sure. Um, without a doubt, no doubt. I, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I, I think that there's, it's sort of like being a doctor and, you know, you, you yourself, occupational hazard is, you know, not getting enough care. Um, but, you know, so I think some of that, 
you know, at different times there's been resistance just because my own daughter, you know, was raised by a a naturopath. But I think now that she's older and things have, you know, shifted in her own mind and her own progress, like how she is definitely health oriented, definitely cares about her health and wants to be healthy, which I think is the best that we can ask for. You know what I mean? Like for to really bring that level of value you know, to our children to let them really understand what it means to actually be healthy. Well, since we called this an honest conversation, I think we can admit now that just because we wanted to raise our kids healthy did not mean that at the time they appreciated it. <laughs> right? <laughs> why, why can't we just get those Oreos, you know, on that shelf at the grocery store? You know, like that. <laughs> Yeah, that that I, I you know, I know we sort of played around with having, you know, Max or Mackenzie and Olive or whatever on this or at some point in the future, but I, I really feel like I can speak for Olive in that in saying like it'd be interesting to hear what she'd have to say about that, but definitely like, you know, well, and part of it is because and I would say now that she's old enough to know because we did this Halloween fairy thing where We'd go out and we'd get all the candy, but then we would never let her eat it. We'd let her pick like five pieces (laughs) and take all the candy. And, you know, I don't know. I think, you know, uh, her dad would bring it on his hunting trips or something, but we'd take all the candy and give her a gift (laughs) instead. So I'm not sure she, I don't know what she would say about that. But I think on some level, like, that, you know, I think some of the food restriction, because, you know, I, I did... I was really emphasizing certain very specific nutrition with her. My personalized approach definitely landed on her. And, you know, I found out early on that she did have some food sensitivities and, you know, the gluten piece was really big. So we took that out very early on. So she was exposed to that. And I was in a naturopathic community and every mother was just like me. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you can say the same thing about it being in a chiropractic. But it it sort of brings me to the place where I, I was thinking we might we might start, although we've already started, but it's, it's about um, kind of like this concept of resiliency. And that's really tied to, it's something that I was really thinking about before our talk. Like, what is it about kids? You know what I mean? What is it about kids and natural medicine? And, and I think you can probably agree with this that like they really respond well. Right. So like, if I could plug that as like, something for other parents to really be thinking about like and part of it has to do with you know we're born and without any real interruption embryologically you know certainly in utero we're hoping no interruption everything's going to be perfect and great and when that does happen like you know that perfect little new baby is is really really healthy right optimized mm-hmm. we can smell it right they they're they're juicy they're they look at their tissue it's so beautiful you know, they smell so beautiful, like, you know, and and everything's working so nicely. And so if there is a disturbance in the health, things like homeopathy or chiropractic or, you know, the right nutrition, like, or getting them to sleep a little bit earlier, they respond so well because early on they're so resilient. So they get an infection, they mount a fever and it's really pristine and it's really smooth and there's efficiency there right? Mm -hmm. And then we see the success, right? This is what natural medicine, I think, was really all about, about this little bit of prevention that we can do so that we can just guide and coax the body into that healing capacity, right? It doesn't have to be like, 
a hammer and a chisel like us right. old <laughs> us old folks need, right? We need a lot of force as we get older when we have disease because it's manifested into something so much bigger and greater and more challenging and more complex. So I guess, so, you know, not having yeah. a fear when you see a child have their first signs of challenge, they're vomiting, they have a fever, they're, they're crying and you can't figure out why, not going to a place of fear, but of trusting the body because they're, they have every capacity to function well. It, right. really, it really starts from a belief system. Oh, I know. And it's so funny, like tell that to every new mom, not to have fear like your baby's going to be able to get sick and be, you know, and that will turn back into wellness again. Like, you know what I mean? Every Mm -hmm. mom is like totally freaked out. Yeah. Moms need a support. Even, even the strongest focused mothers need somebody to say, no, that that's okay. That's normal. Or, or that's not, but they need someone to guide them for sure. So I think having a practitioner you can rely on. I, even as a chiropractor, I had, um, I had mentors that I would trust or family members I would trust if I just, I was overtired. I couldn't think straight. Is this normal? Do I need to have any intervention? Should I, can I trust that my child's body's healing? I needed help just because yeah. you're so tired. <laughs> well, and, and the things that are happening right now, like, so if we talk about, like, we can talk about that resiliency, right? And that's right there. And we've seen it. You've seen it as a clinician. I've seen it as a clinician, you know, it's, it's, it's really clear. And yet a lot of the interventions that are now happening, I would say earlier and earlier, um, and I would say exposures, right? Cause we do mm-hmm. have a lot of environmental exposures and organisms like microorganisms and infection. Like, as we know, we just went through a pandemic, like there's more complexity. And so, you know, although there is resiliency, I think what we're seeing as a whole with pediatrics is that kids, and I'm going to make a really wide range statement here. Like I think kids are sicker in general. I think problems that children have are more complex nowadays. And even maybe even you know, more in numbers, I would say, like the what's coming, I'm really kind of speaking from my own personal clinical experience and what's coming through my door and what I've seen in the last, you know, almost, you know, yeah, 20 plus years now that, you know, kids are getting sicker and things are maybe lingering and things and there's maybe more autoimmunity or maybe there's an underactive gland that's happening earlier like you wouldn't expect. So it has to give us a little bit of room for pause I would say to be thinking about like, okay, well, there's another reason why we want to have natural medicine on board, right? I already said that it's about prevention, right? We take that high, healthy child and we keep them healthier, you know? So that's that's the ideal, right? But then what if the person, what if that child does get sick, then how can we then get them healthy through that process? And in my opinion, there's there's it's not even a question mark. The only way that you're going to reach either you know, resolution or cures if you have something like the vital force of nature that's on board, right? I, drugs aren't going to do that. They might help you get through and palliate or, you know, calm down symptomology. But at the end of the day, to get back into balance, you need nature. I'm going to well, pause maybe, there. Maybe it would be interesting for our listeners to hear what like was the main tools in our, in our tool shed, right? So mm-hmm. for example, I... I made some very deliberate choices. I had a home birth, um, unmedicated home birth. I breastfed. I 
really tried to understand my child's rhythm without forcing a rhythm on them. Um, as they were able to eat, I really focused on organic food, um, especially meat and dairy. And, you know, there was a natural nurturing that happened in the home that just allowed them to develop at the the pace that was right for them and really avoiding um, pharmaceuticals whenever possible. And it was, it was very possible for me to do that. I, I, I really was able to raise them without intervention um, in almost any way. So, you know, there's going to be accidents. There's going to be things. There's, you know, they still would get sick. Things would happen. They would still get hurt. Um, but it was knowing, okay, if they fall, if they have a sprain, if they have this, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in our house, we always had the all natural mullen garlic flour, mullen flour, garlic eardrops. And we had calendula and we had arnica, um, we had rescue remedy to help if they were, you know, overexcited or, or upset. Um, we just had we had the tools. In fact, my my standard gift to a new mother, if I if I'm going to to get a gift, is to make a basket of all of these types of of tools, you know, and everything from you know natural diapers and you know n- not a lot of toys that had you know, excess plastics and chemicals and we bought organic mattresses for them. You know, you know, I had organic wool carpet in their playroom. You know, I, there was a lot of thought that went into keeping as many chemicals off of their body and not, and also not in their body. Yeah, no, all those, <laughs> I mean, is it like so silly for me to be like, yes, I did a lot of those, if not all of them. And then, you know, I mean, I think the piece with the diet piece, which I think was really and I mean, we're, and we, I think you and I talked about this recently, and if not recently, we've talked about it before, but just this whole piece with allergies and intolerances, like the food piece for me was really, really big with my own child. And I mean, I was, again, like the community aspect comes into play because I was, you know, we were living at when, you know, her first four years of life, we were living in Oregon and a naturopathic community. So talk about, you know, I mean, my gosh, every level of, you know, medicinary from an herb to a homeopathic to a flower essence to, you know, hydrotherapy to massage to acupuncture to Chinese, you know, Chinese, you name it, you know, Ayurveda, we had it all, you know, we had all of that opportunity. I did use a lot of homeopathics. Um, So some moms who are really interested in homeopathy, I've found in my clinical practice, they find a way or we guide them towards getting like a homeopathic kit with, you know, lower potency remedies that can be used that are really easy, that can be be very, very helpful. And a lot of the other stuff that, you know, I mean, we didn't talk about probiotics, but probiotics were a big thing in my um, household and, you know, basic nutrients, you know, like having, you know, um, you know, herbal medicine during cold and flu season, you know, doing some maintenance, things like that, that we were preemptive about, you know, early on, I mean, a lot of the same practices, like I really believe in organic and biodynamic practices and principles. So that has always been something my daughter was raised with. And if people don't know what that is, you know, they can look up, you know, what organic certification is and what biodynamic certification is, you know, not just for food, but also for product. Um, and I do think like in a, I'm in agreement with you in that just the best that you possibly can do, because as the, as the, the, you know, the child is developing, like all of those beautiful things that are happening, you know, hormonal changes, you know, growth, 
Um, you know, all of those things need the best nutrition and support that you possibly can give your child so that they will be able to build to healthy tissue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some of my other favorites. I mean, do you want me to name products? I have no affiliation sure. with anybody, but yeah, that's kind of fun. I, I really used a lot of the Genestra brand. So the Saroyal, you know, HMF super powder, I think I gave my daughter and that's something that I gave her. Like, I mean, I also had a home birth. I was in a home birthing community and the lady that the, the woman who was Barbara Harper, who was the water birth guru who really started water birth in the United States. She was the person I rented my birth tub from, you know, so like that was what everybody was doing. I mean, it was just the community I was in, you know, so lucky us, um, you know, and lucky me and lucky Olive. Uh, so, you know, we, we used a lot of this Royal and when I had all of like, what I would do is I would actually put the probiotic on my breast so that when she latched onto my breast, when she was breastfeeding, she would get inoculated, you know, with that probiotic. So even as a baby, 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 I was doing that. And that was a, you know, a great tip from a doc that I, you know, went to when I was out in Oregon. Um, but I used a lot of their tasty, you know, um, tasty uh, uh, supplements that that Saroyal has. And she was really raised on that, like their B vitamins, their vitamin A, they had a lot of liquids. So it was better route of administration and easy for me. Like I just gave her liquid everything, you know what I mean? So that was a good company. That was a great company that I used, um, you know, early on. Now, obviously like, you know, kids don't need to be on a lot of supplementing. And when I, you know, there were certain things that, she had gotten a rotavirus and got pretty sick. And um, a lot of her food sensitivities happened after she got that virus when she was one and a half. In fact, they all happened. That's when it really kind of came about. Um, Our whole family had gotten this really, really, really intense viral um, infection and it lasted quite a while. And so she, when I was trying to help her get her health back from that, I started to put her on a few more supplements. But as a general rule, I think kids can, between probiotics, a multivitamin and vitamin D, that's, if you're healthy, like that's really it, right? Plus that's diet. So true. That's so true. I mean, true. how do you feel about that, Jenny? Um, I, I feel like diet's so, so, so critical when they're really young, um, especially keeping sugar. We were very, very um, intent on keeping any type of um, flavoring or coloring out of their foods, Um, artificial flavoring and coloring. That was super critical for us. And then making sure they had just a nice variety of nutrients through, you know, as, as close to like we had a farm near us. So we would really work on the farm vegetables. Um, the thing I want to segue into, and we'll actually take a quick break when we come back. So now, you know, now they're at the age where they can, they have a voice. What are some of the things that we did when they didn't want to eat that, or they want, they didn't understand why they couldn't do this or they wanted to do that. Um, let's talk about more like that middle school age and what we did to keep our kids healthy. We'll be right back on a break. You're listening to raw talk about full potential living for the health of it. Your host is Dr. Jenny Brooke, vitality expert and wellness chiropractor at SCC Chiropractic and Vitality Studio in Amherst, New Hampshire. 
If you are in the Southern New Hampshire area, mention this podcast and schedule a health checkup at SEC for special podcast pricing. Call or text 673-5600. That's 673-5600. For more information about SCC, go to sccvitality.com or call 673-5600. Learn about wellness chiropractic, massage therapy, the naturopathic doctor, red light therapy, and more. Now back to Raw Talk about full potential living for the health of it. Back from break. So we're talking with Dr. Margaret Miklas about, you know, really trying to raise healthy kids. And we've, we've both feel accomplished with this and we're ready to share some of the tips that we had. And, you know, we're talking about what to do when they're really little. And I think the biggest challenge comes on when they start to have a voice, when they start to have preferences, um, when they get to make their own choices, even to the point where they're now maybe old enough to drive and have access to whatever they want to do, you know, cause kids, what these days they're everything from vaping to going to fast food to, I mean, you name it. So I, I'm going to say the number one thing that we were intent on as parents from the very, very, very beginning was we explained the why. Mm-hmm. Why we ate a certain way, why we were careful about certain ingredients to the point where my son, before he was even able to read, he was on one of his very first play dates where I wasn't there. And he was at, handed a snack bag and he very politely said, Could you please read the ingredients first? And the mom looked at him like, okay. And she read the ingredients and he listened. And then he said, okay, thank you. And she was like, well, what was it that I, you were listening for? Like what? And he said, oh, I just don't want to have high fructose corn syrup or partially hydrogenated vegetable oils. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and the mom's like, what? <laughs> so That's I had so- a little talk with him about, you know, you know, sometimes when we're at places we have to, you know, just not, you know, there's manners, you know. She thought it was hilarious. But like he understood why those were two ingredients that we avoided and why we avoided it. And he made a decision. So to this day, I have a son, Max, who is 22 and a half years old and has still never had fast food or soda. Mm-hmm. And obviously that- he's he's 22. Like he could go get whatever he wants. And he just decided that he has no reason to have that in his life and he avoids it. That's so great. That's a that's a success and and quite unique, I might add. Yes. Go go for, go for it, Max. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and other than um, an injection he had to have to numb in order to have a tooth pulled. Other than that, he's never had a pharmaceutical um, prescribed or over the counter in his body. Not ever an Advil, nothing. And we were very fortunate. Um, both our kids never needed to go to the emergency room, which I think is quite remarkable. They never broke a bone. Nothing like that ever happened. Um, and they had their fair share of illness, but we always managed to help them get through it. So a little bit of luck, I think. But also, um, they they understood the the why. And again, I think they went through phases where they didn't necessarily appreciate it. And as they've gotten older... Um, they appreciate it more. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I really made sure of just in thinking about back during those times when, you know, Olive didn't really have a choice and had to listen to me and how did I get through that with her? I really tried to empower her. So I didn't let her get into situations where she was going to be, you know, the odd one out with not having something, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So I would always make sure like if she went somewhere, like she had food with her, 
you know, of, you know, whatever I, you know, what I, like if I knew she was going to a party, then there was going to be a dessert that she could have at the time that I'd make sure she could give to the mom to serve to her when it came time. Right. Mostly because of her food allergies. Right. Because that was really important. Because, you know, I would let, if my kids were at a birthday party, they would look at me like, should I have this cake? And I would just say, it's up to you. And sometimes they would, and sometimes they wouldn't. So it wasn't like they never had you know, some junk, but they understood that it was a treat. It was something they weren't going to do often. And then often they would comment to me that I don't, I didn't feel good after that. And then the conversation would be, well, was it worth it? And they might be like, oh, but that tasted so amazing. I said, then feel good about it. Or no, it didn't even taste that good. And I don't feel good. Well, that's, that's a lesson. Think about that next time, you know, decide, is it worth it? Cause it's like that as adults, we're going to have yeah. times where we decide to do something that's fun. And if it's worth it, then just enjoy it. Right. But if you feel Absolutely. terrible afterwards, then that's a lesson right there. Well, and that's the thing, like, I I mean, it's just sort of to reiterate and kind of reinforce what you're saying. Like, there were times when Olive just kind of bit the bullet. And then as she got older, and she was in high school, because she went to a boarding school, you know what I mean? Like, there was so much that, you know, you she got to make a lot of choices, right? Right. But like, there were certain things that would come up for her that I would say, you know, with her health, like if she did go off and it still happens now. And it was really funny. I think the turning, uh, the biggest turning point was when she did go to college in her first year, because her friends, like she somehow, you know, at that point, like, because at some point, like she was just like, I can eat gluten mama. It's not a problem. And I'm like, uh, you know, we have a celiac gene and you're playing with fire, but I, you know, what can I do? Like, I can't control that. But then when she got to college, she, you know, she'd tell certain friends like she, you know, couldn't, she wasn't supposed to have gluten, but then she would eat gluten. Her friends started hassling her and being like, why are you eating this? And then all of a sudden it clicked with her. It's like, yeah, I really need to listen, listen. And I really need, cause when I eat this, I don't feel good. And so like, she stays away now. It's like, it's, I don't even have to say anything to her. I mean, occasionally I will be like, is it gluten? She'll be like, yes, mom, it's gluten free. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my kids went through that with sleep. Like we talked a lot about the, why we are in a certain type of sleep schedule as much as possible and the benefits to having a good night's sleep. And like most teenagers, they both went through phases where they were just up so, so, so late and then slept so late into the day. And, um, you know, at that age, you're not going to say you have to go to bed lights out, you know, but you, there was more conversation of well, how do you, how do you feel on, on this rhythm? And they kind of had to come to a place themselves. They're like, you know what? I feel like I kind of miss I miss a lot of what's happening. Like you made that beautiful breakfast and I wasn't there for it or I don't feel as good or I'm missing sunlight. And they both have come around and they're both more morning people. Um, it just took a while, you know, but they, yeah. but they eventually like it clicked. That's so, that's so awesome. It's like, because yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I mean in life and how we live, like this is, <laughs> this is how you're going to get by. I mean, so, I mean, right. I think, you know, we're, we're teaching our kids so many things, but some of the things we're teaching them really are survival skills, right? How can we, how can we get by and, and, and not, and get by and be the best, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and certainly those key things, like if you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping properly, and you're not going to the bathroom properly, all of those things are going to throw you off kilter, you know? So maybe it's just really instilling that awareness, that body awareness, even if you choose or not choose, just understanding that your choices will have an effect on you. 
I think so. Yeah. I mean, with, without a doubt, without a doubt and how, uh, you know, what our job is parents, like, you know, the difference between like, could, you know, can I say now, like, Oh, I could have been less intense about this or, you know, sure. I can say that now, you know, I can say, yeah, I probably, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have like maybe been so worried so much of the time. And, um, or even said as much as I did as much of the time that I did, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I think ultimately, ultimately it is our job as parents to, to give our kids like that foundational knowledge, you know, with health and wellness, and then they're going to have to really figure it out. And we have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be able to allow them to become individuals within their own right in order to be really healthy people. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. if Max and Mackenzie decide to stay up late and if Olive decides to eat gluten at the end of the day, like, you know, at some point our children just have to learn. Right. And we have to be okay with that learning. And that's hard. Like I still really struggle with that, you know, because, you know, there's certain things like you think, you know, the answer, but there was this great, when I was teaching at Kripala in the hallways, they used to have these, awesome sayings. And there was one about like, you know, the biggest crime really is like trying to live out somebody else's destiny in your own life or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, if we're going to impart everything, like they are part of us, but they are not us. (laughs) I think it was, was it Khalil Gibran who said something? It was, you are not your children or your children are not, not you. I love that. I love that phrase. I know what you're talking about. That's a really good phrase. But, but we can't, we can't impose that. Like we, we have to be, we have to influence our children to be wisdom seekers themselves. Well, especially if they, they've never had the contrast. They don't know what it feels like to just live on junk food for a while or to not have a sleep schedule. Sometimes they almost need to experience the contrast to appreciate. And then you just hope they fall back on, on, what they remember. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're so right about that, that, you know, and, and it feels, I remember when Olive was, when they were at Pine Hill, there was the point, I don't know if it was fifth grade, but everybody was getting one of those iPods. Yes. yes. Remember that? <laughs> I did remember, remember that. I so didn't want to go down that path, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, because we had made the commitment, but it was like, I knew it was going to be the next thing, then the next thing, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, and for sure. Really dug my heels in and I'll never forget all of like just, and she just wasn't a temper tantrum kid and she didn't have a temper tantrum, but boy, did she cry. She <laughs> wanted that iPod and everybody had them and eat regardless of the media policy it the school, everybody had one and boy, she was going to be out. And it really was her God awful pain. I mean, I don't know what was worse (laughs) hearing her go on and on about it or like having to succumb to it and deal with all that. Like it was painful either way, the reality. Well, you know, back then everything was so new technology wise. I think some, one of the hardest challenges for parents now is are you going to, if you're going to ask your child to do something, sleep a certain way, eat a certain way, um, experience technology a certain way, I really think to make your point or to do it in the healthiest family way, you kind of have to do it with them. Right. So, or or at least they're going to feel it's unfair, right? You're sitting there on your phone and they're like over there (laughs) just wanting to have the TV on. Uh, Right. So I think as a parent, like really trying to raise super healthy kids, you have to be committed to your own health. 
Mm-hmm. Right? You have to set yeah, the example and, and make it a yeah. family a family event. Boy, that's that's a really good one. Like, how do we set that example? Right? Right. And so is your kid going to see you? You're, I mean, we, our children are watching us 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So how do you eat? Mm-hmm. How do you walk through this world? I am so glad we did not have cell phones when I was breastfeeding. I'm so glad I didn't have a cell phone when I was growing up. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I was a voracious reader and I still am. And that's what I would do when I was breastfeeding because I didn't want the TV on. I was pretty strict with no TV under age two. So we there was a TV in the in my bedroom behind a closed cabinet and I only would open it if they were asleep. So they really weren't exposed to any media or screens under the age of two. But I think if I had had a phone when they're nursing, but you know, it's right there, it's right next to their head. They see you on it. Like they're only little, but it becomes part of what the world is. And I I think that would be really hard as a parent. I think it's doable, but it's a commitment to, to not be on your phone all the time in front of your kids. Yeah. I mean, talk about like health impact too. Like they really are starting to figure this out even more. I think about how much of an impact in so many ways. I mean, we were like high-fiving with Steve Jobs before this show because of how great the speaker was on my computer. But now we're like ready to like throw spears at him because he's, <laughs> you know what, with all our kids. And I wanted to drop a bomb right there and say something sassy, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like, whoa, what a struggle, you know? And in so many ways, like, can we say that that is maybe potentially even worse or more life-threatening than anything else that maybe the average kid is dealing with right now. And to help your child understand that, you have to face it in yourself, which, ooh, ooh. We're giving adult toys to our kids now, like at eight. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do we expect is going to happen? So how do you be steadfast in parenting when you don't believe that it's the right thing to do? How can you be strengthened? Like what I would say to people is, well, you've got to find a community of people that are going to be able to support you. And you certainly have to have a partner that's going to be in support. And financially as well. I mean, to eat a certain way, it does require effort, time, money. And it was just a commitment. I mean, we didn't always have a ton of money raising the kids. It was a struggle in the beginning to eat the way we wanted to eat, but we sacrificed other things because we valued the nutrition. So if you're paying that monthly bill for that phone, you can't complain about, I don't have money to buy organic lettuce and milk, right? So it's just, it all goes back to priority. So I think I think re, re-deciding priorities once you have a child, priorities for yourself and your relationship and your family, that's part of what a family legacy is. That's part of what, what do we want to be as a family unit? What if we're the type of family that we all shut off our devices after eight o'clock and we just have family time? Like what would that be like? Right. That would be pretty remarkable, but that's a decision. And it starts with what, what the parents decide they're willing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's such a great, I'm so glad that we're actually talking about this and I don't think we put this on our list of things to really talk about, but I think, I think I'm right in that this is, it's sort of like the hidden evil, but it's not that hidden, right? But we don't know how evil it is either at any given moment, you know? I mean, we can guess, but we don't know the entirety of it. And I think, I think eventually it'll be more clear. 
And I also think eventually maybe it'll even be um, a movement or cool to, to be screen free or cell phone free, at least for periods of time. I bet there'll be vacations where pe- that's what they do. They unplug, right? Mm-hmm. But we're in the time um, in history where it's still ramping up. It's still evolving very, 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 very fast. And it's now become socially acceptable to carry your phone everywhere you go. And we were just fortunate we raised kids not in that time frame. But I think it's relevant to, if you're going to try to raise healthy kids, that's that's a top conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Um, so any last thoughts about what what you did that you're glad you did or something you wish you would have done? Hmm. This is simple, but it goes back to, you know, our kids went to a Waldorf school where they talk about warmth as a healer. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still really highly value um, outdoor time, outdoor yes. time for everyone, kids, for me. And in order to do that in a way that's healthy for kids, they need to be warm enough. So three layers on top, two layers on bottom, ears, head covered, not hot, but warm enough. Um, so getting, you know, having all the things you need to keep the children warm and keeping them warm, you know, the, the wool long underwear is great. Um, that still to this day is something that I, I high, highly value. Christmas gifts yeah. are always wool log underwear at my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I would say like warmth, you know, just because I'm always just kind of veering it back to diet, like it's it's warmth as in what are you wearing on your external body from a clothing standpoint, but the other way, other ways to generate warmth, like you can do topical oils to generate warmth and certainly cooking your food is going to generate warmth, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of kids will oftentimes, and, and I know sometimes it's like, I don't want any mother or father to beat themselves up because they sent their kid to school with a sandwich. Like I'm, I'm somebody who did that too, but if you can send them with warm food, it's better for their digestion and, 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 and in support of this whole model of, you know, warmth and how warmth, our warmth, the warmth aspect of who we are as human beings is so critical because the warmer, well, on so many different levels in order for our systems to function, right? But our digestive system as a whole, just think about it, like it has this very specific enzymatic function that creates this cooking environment, right? And when we cook our food, the food actually is pre-digested. So our, our, our bodies don't have to go through more of that process to digest because the food is already cooked. Oh, I, Voila. Just, I want to go home and make soup. Right? I was just <laughs> thinking about soup. <laughs> nice and warm. Soup. Yes. Oh, can I also Party. tell you, doc, Dr. Margaret, uh, several years ago, one of the things that you told me once um, about my, our family health that really stuck with me was you taught me that in winter, it's so critical to hydrate and we don't tend to be as thirsty, but you said to really hydrate in the winter, it's not all necessarily through water, it's through oil. We need oil in our food. So yes, cook, cook yes. with oil, add oil to salads. Um, I, I really like that. Healthy oils, obviously. Um, well, and again, like for the growing nervous system, oil as a whole so in Ayurveda, the term is snehana, and snehana means oil, but it also actually means love. And oh, so wow. oil is like a blanket of love internally and externally, creating warmth, building the body, and supporting the tissue with the most optimal nutrition and pacifying any dysfunction at the level of the nervous system. 
I remember so. I used to keep a little um, thing of coconut oil in Kenzie's bedroom. And when she had a hard time sleeping, I'd rub it on her belly. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. What belly other, or, what other oils? Feet at night. If you don't want to, oh, yes. this is for, for uh, adults and kids. Like if you're feeling really nervous or you're overactive, you know, mind, even just oiling the feet and the lower legs can be really, really helpful to calm your body down. What are your favorite oils to ingest and use topically? Um, I mean, I don't want to be boring. I mean, I really use a lot of different oils for different reasons, but I mean, I love olive oil, you know, but I use olive oil more traditionally. Like I don't cook so much with olive oil. I put it on things. Mm-hmm. I cook more, especially with higher, anything higher heat. I cook more with like grapeseed oil or butter because it's a saturated fat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and the grapeseed oil, you can cook at high temperature. I so coconut oil, oil is another one like that too. That's good to cook at, you know, at a higher above medium temp, but I use all kinds of oils. I use butter. I use ghee. I use olive oil. I use avocado oil. I use nut oils. I use, um, you know, the, um, um, the grapeseed oil, like I said, so nut and seeds, seed oils of all varieties, I think mixing it up and making sure you've got a good balance, um, is really a, a, you know, support. Um, I would say just in general, you know, like with all things, rotating foods and rotating your oils is, you know, it's like the diversity that you need to really give you a full rainbow of nutrition from an oil standpoint. When I want to add a little heft to a salad, I'll use walnut oil. I'll drizzle yeah. that on top. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Or black truffle oil. That's one of my yeah. favorites. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on, uh. on that note, woo, um, we could talk forever, but our time is up. But this has been so wonderful to just go back in time a bit and talk about what we've done and um, I, my goal is that we've just inspired some mothers and fathers to just think about some other ways that they can support their children to be as healthy as possible. And I guess the point we're driving home is it starts with you, what what you're Absolutely. Ready, ready to be committed to. Yeah, the most important thing that you can give your kids is love. That's my advice. <laughs> I will add the ways to contact Dr. Margaret in the show notes, um, livingnaturalinc.com, correct? Yes. Wonderful. You've been great. We really appreciate having you on. We will look forward to doing this again in the future. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so great talking to both of you and have a great day. You too, Dr. Dr. Margaret. Thank you. Be well, everybody. You've been listening to Raw Talk about full potential living for the health of it. Your host was Dr. Jenny Brooke, vitality expert and wellness chiropractor at SCC Chiropractic and Vitality Studio in Amherst, New Hampshire. Mention this podcast and schedule a health checkup at SCC with special podcast pricing. To schedule, call or text 673-5600. That's 673-5600. For more information about SCC Chiropractic and Vitality Studio, call 673-5600 or check out sccvitality.com. You can also find Dr. Jenny on Facebook at Spinal Corrective Center NH or Instagram at SCC underscore chiropractic. Thank you for listening to Raw Talk about full potential living for the health of it.